Welcome to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Winning. I'm a home birth, free birth guide, fear and mindset coach, podcaster, speaker, women's rights activist, and highly sensitive person. I'm a mother of three girls, and I've had two unplanned and unneeded C-sections with a special scar. I birthed our third 4.5 kilo baby at home in a free birth after not being able to access a home birth midwife. My own journey has sparked a deep passion to support women to find their strength and courage to create the pregnancy, birth and postpartum you desire and deserve. This podcast is for women wanting to learn more about VBATs, especially home births and professionals who want to learn more about how to support VBAC women and families. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, welcome back to another episode. This is the first episode that I am recording in 2023. So I'm back in it. I had the last couple of episodes I did last year, which is really cool and nourishing. And this is fresh. So I've got a list of amazing women who are going to be interviewed soon. We'll be sharing their stories over the year, which is really exciting. And I have also reached out to some guests to interview. So some guest experts, I really want to have some deep, meaningful conversations this year. So if you know of somebody who would be amazing to have on the podcast as an expert guest, please do shoot me an email and let me know. Today, I'm doing something a little bit different. Instead of coming up with the topic myself, I have, I basically sent out an email recently and asked everyone on my email list if they had a question to ask on the podcast. And I was really excited to get some responses back. So this is the first question that I've had. And I thought that I would do it now because I feel like it had some urgency about it. And plus, I can relate to this question so much. If you have a question that you would like me to answer, from time to time, I will try to answer the questions on the podcast. If I can't do it on the podcast, follow along with me on Instagram, because I share things on my stories and my feed quite regularly. I'm very engaged and I show up every day on that platform. And so you can kind of ask real, you know, questions with me. You can jump into my DMs and ask questions as well. And if it's like something that I think would benefit the podcast, I can, you know, share it on the podcast as well later on. So that's another way that you can connect with me. And my Instagram is Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y-L winning w-i-n-n-i-n-g of course i will put it into the show notes for you as well um otherwise send me an email and i'll share all that stuff afterwards but i want to thank you so much if you're listening to me now listener for sending in this question Um, it's a really important topic that i've wanted to speak to as i said before i've been in this position before and it can feel quite powerless being in a position of vulnerability and not feeling safe to trust people and trust me when i say this i have been in the position of not trusting people because of the trauma i experienced before because of being let down by people before so i'm going to share a plethora of reasons why people let people down and in a really interesting way so let's not try to judge this too much let's just sit with this from a space of wanting to learn about people and a space of coming from healing because you know I'm looking back at how I felt a few years ago and there was so much rawness so much desperation so much trauma so much hurt and damage that I just desperately wanted 
somebody to support me in the way that I felt that I needed the support. And as a highly sensitive person or someone who's had trauma or someone who's got high anxiety, I mean, I had all of those things. I wanted people to see me. I wanted to be seen. I mean, I was I felt like I was a rag doll thrown to the side of the road and basically meant nothing to the medical system, to the midwives, to, you know, a lot of doulas because I was rejected by so many people. And it's really hard to come back from being, feeling rejected and feeling like there's something wrong with you because you're a bigger bodied person or because you've had cesarean births. And so it was, you know, at times, and most of the time I was really excited for people, but there were times where, you know, I saw other women who were having these amazing water births in hospital and they were like, you know, the perfect size and, you know, whatever. And I thought, I mean, I think it was only one time that I actually saw this, but it's because they birthed in the same suite that I did at the hospital, but they got to have that water birth and they wouldn't let me in the in the birthing pool. And so that really was really upsetting for me. And I noticed that there's not many stories around or many pictures of bigger people, either on Instagram for bigger people birthing. And so there's definitely a kind of person that, you know, is seen in the birth world. And that made it hard because I I didn't feel represented at all. I couldn't see physically, visually see that. But also at the time, being a woman of having two cesarean births, there wasn't that many women who who had had, you know, two cesarean births who were sharing their stories at two C-sections and then went on to have a V-back. Or, or more multiple and then on top of that had this special scar so you know there was all there was these hurdles and loops that I had to kind of go through and I felt all of those things went went against me essentially and you know it left me in a really sad place I'd put a lot of effort into trying to connect with people who I thought were supportive and I do that in air quotes because you know some people are supportive of that person, but they won't be supportive of you. And it might be their bias or you remind them of someone or, you know, whatever it is, there's too many things to think of. And when you're feeling vulnerable and rejected, that can really sting and really hurt. So I'm coming from, I'm sharing my story. And I know that's a story that so many women experience. So I wanted to share that. If you're feeling like that, please be kind, please be loving to yourself, please be gentle and, you know, give yourself so much love because you are worthy. You are deserving. Deserving. You deserve everything in this world has to offer. And I believe that the right support is out there, that sometimes it just takes a little bit more harder work or a mindset thing to see things in a different way or to put yourself out there because, you know, you might get a couple of rejections and that can feel like a hundred rejections, but, you know, giving up before finding that, find that person, you know, could be in the difference between being supported and not being supported. So I totally get it. I mean, I recently... <laughs> I recently had this situation where there was potential for conflict where I had to have a conversation. It was a mechanic or something like that. And, oh, I get really like, I don't want to have to deal with conflict. I don't like having to stand up to men. And so I completely understand. It reminds me of how vulnerable I felt. I completely understand. But we have to do these things for ourselves because the more we do it, the more confident we become, the stronger we become, the more we can trust ourselves. We can do this and I'm here to support you. So you've got me, you've got the podcast. And there's so many women in my community, in the VBAC Home Birth Support Group on Facebook. And just 
in the community who are just so amazing and loving and giving of their time and resources. So I want you to know you're not alone. So the question that I got is, I'd like to know how you can find trust again in your instincts. I had a lot of failed support that I paid for last year. Every single person let me down. I'm pregnant now and I don't trust anyone. My past is affecting my ability to find support that I crave this pregnancy. And I completely understand exactly how you're going because, or how you feel, because if you've listened to my best, if you've listened to my birth story, getting a little tongue tied. If you listen to my birth story, you would hear that I was pretty let down with the support, the emotional support that I got through my free birth from my doula. And then I hired another doula who was being trained by her. And she promised me and assured me that she would support me. And I I didn't listen to my intuition. And so I blamed her. I was I blamed them, them both. I was very up upfront and clear and honest with the support that I needed, with the, the kind of person that I am. And you know, I missed some key red flags and I did have intuition that was going off and I overrid it with thinking. So I think it's really important to hone into your intuition. You know when your intuition is telling you something. So for me, it was like, oh, well, it's like a perfect match. She knows her and this is a good deal and blah, blah, blah. The fact that I felt uncomfortable with a a certain, quite a few things, I overridden with some of the good things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think that it's really important to listen to our intuition. And also my people pleasing tendencies don't want to hurt somebody. So sometimes it's hard for me. And I think that, you know, other women who are listening to this, it can be hard to tell people how you're feeling, but definitely I have been working on my boundaries and I have been exercising this muscle more. And I've had people step into my space and and say some really hurtful things. And I know that that's not about me. That's about them. And, you know, I'll sit there and analyze and think because I'm always trying to think, you know, did I do something wrong? Can I do better? I'm always open to um, positive or not positive, but I'm open to feedback because nobody's perfect, right? And it hurts sometimes when you get feedback. But the only way for you to get better is to look at yourself, look at the things that are that are happening and can I do better? Could I do better next time? And just do the work, the hard work. And talking about that, a lot of people working in this space do not do the work. A lot of people in this space overcommit themselves. A lot of people in this space work too many hours. A lot of people in this space book too many clients. And this was a plethora of, you know, some of the problems that were happening and why I felt unsupported and why I see so many women feeling unsupported in this space. I have women reach out to me saying they feel let down by their midwives. We know that so many women feel let down from the healthcare system and friends and family come up all the time because they've got their opinions and their judgments. And so I'm going to go through some of these with you and let's break them down a little bit so we can look at them and see some of the issues that these groups of people are facing so that we can go okay it's not it feels really personal but it's not personal really it's just that that person's not coping not dealing doesn't have the skill set doesn't realize that this is happening Um, let's go through and break it break it up so you can feel we can basically hear what I'm talking about so number one look at the past times and try and understand why those people 
people let you down. Quite often it feels personal because it is personal. It's happening to us and people let us down, but often it isn't about us at all. People are often focused on their own chaos and their own lives. So when it comes to medical staff, their main responsibility is their licensing, their insurance, if they're going to get sued, if they're going to get in trouble, what they're willing to risk. And risk is usually, you know, what And also, how do they practice? Because a lot of public care isn't going to have, you know, deep, meaningful support. There will be amazing people working in that system who are amazing, right? But they might get worn down from the amount of hours that they go through or the fact that they don't have that high contact with their clients, with the patients, you know, I don't want to say patients, but with the clients and in the hospital system. And so they've only got a certain amount of time. It can get really impersonal. It can get really routine when you're seeing a high number of people. And when you're working 12 hour shifts or whatever it is that they work, it can feel really monotonous. Is that is that the right word? <laughs> I'm not great with words today. I don't know why I'm mumbling over my words, but such is life, right? When it comes to doulas, you know, a lot of doulas are mums who have had trauma themselves or mums who had wonderful birth experiences that want to support other women. They're usually women who are passionate in this area and want to give to the world and often are working through their own trauma. Now, I'm not saying that every single doula out there is that is that person. I'm just saying that a lot of them, I mean, I've met with a lot of them, they are, and they're juggling a lot sometimes. They're juggling part-time jobs on the side, full-time jobs. Some of them, uh, you know, have three plus kids that they're juggling and they're going to birth in the middle of the night and coming home, looking after the children. Some of them have amazing support systems. Some of them don't. Some of them are just brand new and some of them have done training and some haven't done training and some have run businesses before. And this is some for some, a brand new business. And so being a doula isn't just turning up to a client's birth or supporting them through the journey it's like they have to do their bookkeeping they have to do their advertising they have to meet with people have to talk with people it there's all these other roles and so sometimes it can burn people out I see doulas get burned out all the time because it's just a lot and they don't look after themselves a lot of the time they get tired and I learned this myself I started my business in 2017 in postpartum and I started in postpartum because I did not want to I was traumatized I didn't feel authentic showing up in the birth space because I'd had two cesarean births and I didn't want to put myself into a position where I was supporting people from a space of trauma. So I had, you know, some, some things to share in the postpartum space and I went and trained, but I had some really good leaders that taught me to look after myself, to practice self-care, practice self-love. And, you know, it's been a pro process, right? When I first started, I had a new baby. So, I mean, I was up till 12 o'clock most nights trying to work in my business, get my website going, get all these things going right. And that was not sustainable. I was completely basically living off adrenaline and trauma, I think, and this thirst and desire to want to learn as much as possible. And I've learned now to have clear boundaries. So I have certain days that I work now. I work on Tuesdays and Thursdays and I work during the days and I work at night and every now and then I might work a Sunday. And that feels really nourishing for me because I've got a pretty full calendar with my children homeschooling with me. But some people run ragged because they've got these mindset stories, like you've got to do harder, you've got to make more money, you've got to be better. And so there's all these things that are kind of happening in the background that 
take over their desire to slow down. You know, sometimes they make it mean something. If I don't have this many clients, I'm a loser, I'm a failure, I'm not really a doula, whatever it is. And there's a lot going on, let's just say that. So I have a lot of compassion and love for people in this space, even for the doctors and the midwives in the hospital system. They run absolutely ragged. And it's like, how can they work in health when they're not even looking after themselves? I watched a thing on sleep deprivation the other day and they basically were testing people after 24 hours and 48 hours. And like, they were so messed up. They were worse than drunk drivers driving on the road and the way that they spoke, they they were slurring. And, you know, if women are booking in clients back to back, then it's no surprise they're getting tired and, you know, it's catching up with them and all that sort of thing. Now, they're just some of the things. There's obviously so many more things. They're human beings with families and lives and, you know, things in their family going on as well. And, you know, they're starting a business and it's a lot for people to have to do. And I think that people, I think that also a lot of doulas undervalue themselves by underpricing their services. So sometimes, you know, a doula might say, well, I'm only charging a thousand dollars, but I'm going to support you for nine months. And it's like, then they get into the mindset of, well, you know, they're only paying me a thousand dollars. So, you know, what can they expect? I'm going to go to the birth. So if they're not charging as much, maybe they don't show up through the pregnancy or in the birth the right way because they feel resentful at that point. Now, I don't like, I don't want you to get overwhelmed and think, oh my goodness, there's all these things happening with these people. Is anyone ever going to be okay? Of course, there's so many amazing people out there. And it's just a matter of really trusting and listening to your intuition. When it comes to the midwives, I want you to know when it comes to midwives, you know, they're running their business as well. And when it comes to midwives, I know that so many of the Australian midwives, and I'm imagining worldwide, are just so busy at the moment. They have so many clients and they're taking on clients, but also they have a lot that they have to do. They have to send in I think they get audited every certain amount. I don't know how often it is, but they get audited. They're running a business and they have to kind of do that. Of course, that's their responsibility. And it's their responsibility to only take on the right amount of clients at the same time. But also sometimes I think a lot of the problem is a personality mismatch or a misunderstanding of the kind of support that you're going to get from a midwife. I know myself, I've had a chat with a couple midwife acquaintances or friends and we've talked about it and so women who have birth trauma or who want deep conversation and longer time together sometimes that can be a bit out of depth for them so sometimes it's a little bit too much in the capacity it's not something that they show up for it's not something that they're comfortable doing or the service that they provide they're they're comfortable providing now again every single midwife's different because I saw a post recently that went gangbusters in a group and it was kind of a bit like doulas against midwives kind of fighting it out and it was kind of weird to watch you know some of the midwives were getting defensive and saying well that's what I do and that's exactly what I do so why would they need a doula and doulas were kind of just saying what they were doing and you know there was a it was a it was a bit weird because you know some midwives do do that and some midwives don't do that I can only speak from my experience and you know there's also a difference between what people say they will do and what they actually do to make a sale or get a client or whatever it is. And sometimes it's not that they're being deceptive openly. It's that consciously they're not actually aware 
of what they're capable or the service that they give. And I've just gone through this myself. I had a virtual assistant who started with me who said that they could do this, this and this, and they were willing to message me within a certain time frame and you know, do the task with a certain task. We had a meeting on Tuesday and, you know, I reiterated, you know, her commitment. She was fine with that. And then Thursday came along and she hadn't touched the tasks. She didn't get back to me till Monday. And she was just like, oh, sorry, I did this. And like, that's not good enough, right? Because at the end of the day, when someone, when you ask someone, are you capable of doing this? Are you able to meet a deadline? Are you able to show up? And they say to your face, yes, I can. But it wasn't that she was being openly deceptive or she wanted to be. It was just, you know, life was busy for her. She had a lot of kids and she she wanted the job. She needed the work, I suppose, but wasn't able to fulfill the workload. And I think that's probably the case with a lot of people. So how do you find the right person? You know, we're going to go through that in the next couple of questions. I want to give you some things to think about. I don't think that there's a perfect person out there who's going to meet all of your requirements either. So let's get into it. I think let's go into how we can call in the right support. I do think there are a few steps that kind of need to go with this and that's mindset. I think it's energy. I think it's calling out. I think it's trusting in the universe. I think it's believing that you are deserving and you're worthy of having support. And I do think that there's a mixture of your own expectations and what you expect from people. Sometimes we can set our expectations too high. So I've written down a number of things to go through. So we'll go through these and then probably touch base on some of the things that I've already talked about. But number one is set brave intentions and send out a calling. Send out the energy into the world that you want. This is something that my friend told me she does. I said, how do you get so many clients? She works as a shamanic healer and she's like, I'm so busy. And I was like, how, how do you get so many clients? Like you just started your business months ago. This was, you know, last year sometime. She's like, I just set the intention. I call out to the beautiful souls that I'm going to work with. And I thought, how wonderful is that? It's something that I do now in my practice because it helps me to connect with my future clients and it makes me feel so I don't know, it makes me feel loved and it makes me feel like I'm loving you guys. So I often will send out, I'll put my arms in the air and I'll send out and say, I'm here, I'm ready. I'm looking after myself. I am putting the energy and time into showing up for myself, looking after myself, giving myself self-love because I know it's a big job looking after you. And I call you in when you're ready because maybe it's not this pregnancy that you're ready for me to work with me. Maybe it's the next pregnancy, you know. It doesn't matter. There's no desperation or this must have happened. It's just I'm here, my beautiful souls, and I'm ready when you when you need me. And actually I used to do this practice when I was looking for my soulmate. I used to sit outside and I look in the stars. So this is a practice that I have been doing for a long time that I didn't, I wasn't intentional about, that I didn't know I was doing. And now it's an intentional practice that I do. So I used to, I used to say, I know that you're there, my soulmate. I, I know that you're there. Maybe you're married to someone else or you're with someone else. Maybe you're having sex with someone else. <laughs> I used to say these things, but I am here. I'm ready for you. You know, I, I would always put out the call and my and I found my husband eventually. And, but there was always that trust. And, you know, even though there was a bit of uncertainty and worry, you know, the, the other side was putting the trust that it will be okay. And that person will come to me. So I think there's something beautiful about that. 
setting the brave intentions. Uh, Number two is make sure the person you choose is someone you align with and it feels right. Listen to your intuition and don't silence that voice when it speaks to you. I think that if I had listened to my intuition with my free birth journey and probably probably through all of my my birth journeys and I didn't silence them because I was trying to be a good girl or a people pleaser or I didn't want to hurt somebody or too worried about other people and not myself, right? Then I probably would have, you know, sacked my birth team and I probably would have found somebody else. At the time, I didn't feel like there was anyone else out there, but I didn't go out there and look. I didn't really, you know, really, really give it a go. And so I left myself in a position of feeling unsupported, unloved, unseen, and I had a lot of resentment and I felt unsafe with the people and, you know, it was touch and go (laughs) as to whether I was going to call at least one of them on the day. And so that's not a really nice energy to kind of put out to the world. And it was not from a space of power either. You know, I want to be pumped up. I want to be with the right person. I want to be with someone who lights me up, somebody who makes me feel safe, who actually makes me feel like I am worth something, that that I'm not a waste of their time. You know, that's what I'm looking for. So now at least I learned the experience, you know, I've learned something from that experience. Now, when I work with someone, I will not work with somebody who isn't my ideal person who hasn't got the right personality, the right temperament. Sometimes it can be a bit shaky to figure out that. And that's okay because it doesn't have to be perfect. I interviewed Laura on the podcast last week. Uh, Her episode went live, not last week, the week before. And she shared that, you know, she just wasn't happy with one of the things that her midwife wanted her to do, which was to birth in an Airbnb near the hospital because her midwife is more comfortable with that. Laura was not more comfortable and she had enough knowing inside her to say, you know what, I would really love to have this midwife, but she's not willing to, this is her boundary. And you know what, this is my boundary and I feel pretty cool about doing this. And so sometimes it's just knowing yourself and knowing you're worthy. I didn't feel worthy at the time. I was very vulnerable. And now I feel like I can come from a space of feeling a lot more worthy. And that feels really good for me. So number three is set reasonable expectations of people. So being realistic about the sort of support that they can offer and the type of support. If you are deeply, deeply traumatized, then your midwife probably won't be able to show up for you in a capacity of a counselor. You may need to hire a counselor and have that counselor on your team. Maybe your midwife is so knowledgeable about birth, but maybe they're not great when it comes to emotional support. So having someone like me to support you through that journey, as well as your midwife, may be a better fit for you to continue with that midwife. There are so many different ways that you can look at this and say, am I being reasonable? Yes, I feel like I am. Or no, maybe I'm not being reasonable. Maybe my expectations are too high. Okay, number four call in your support circle. A lot of the time you need a support circle, not one person who can support you. You need a safe circle of support. And so I say this in that a lot of women rely on their partner to be their support circle. And you need more than one person most of the time to bounce things around with. So having a doula, having someone like me, having a midwife, having a counselor, you know, doing your hypnobirthing class, all of these different support circles. So you get different inputs, you feel loved, you feel supported. You know, not everyone needs that much support but some women do. And there's nothing wrong with that either. As long as you can afford it, it's in your budget, or you can pick and choose what you can and can't afford or make happen. There's always ways around that. 
For example, I did one of the hypnobirthing classes on who was it through Positive Birth Company, a UK birth company. I think it cost me under $100. So I didn't do it with her, but it was a nice little nourishing thing that, you know, made me feel good. I knew most of the stuff anyways, but I really liked it and I had had fun. So that was that suited me. I didn't want to spend $600 to go to a hypnobirthing class, but I felt like maybe, maybe just maybe that would be cool. There was other things that I wanted to invest my money in, like a mindset coach throughout that that time and, and having the birth jeweler and having this and having that. So there sometimes we don't have much of a budget and that's okay too because you've got your family and your friends. Just pick the right people who you can talk to and don't talk to the unsupportive ones who are going to get in your head. The number five is see if you can get testimonials or speak to others who have worked with that person. Find out what they liked about working with that person. So if they've got testimonials, that's really good. Read the testimonial and see what that person's saying. Did they have the outcome that you were looking for? Are you looking for emotional support and feeling supported and heard and listened to? Are you wanting, you know, somebody who's really medical? What is it that you're looking for? The testimonials are great for you to kind of get a little bit of an insight. And talking to someone is even better because just because somebody thinks that person was amazing doesn't mean they're going to be amazing for you because they might be a a blunt person that gives it to you straight. And some people love that. They love the you know, being held into accountability, what is that? Accountability, held accountable. They love being called up. You know, some people just love that. Some people prefer gentler, more supportive in a gentle way. You know, somebody who's a bit more chill, a bit more relaxed. There's so many different types of people out there. So just say, what did you like about the person? What what do you think they were really good at? What what do you think set them apart from somebody else, for example? And see if that's something that you like as well, if it's something that you even want. Okay, number six is hire someone like me to work on being your support person who doesn't have a registration or other fear factor working with you. Because I don't work with women in birth, I don't have any fear I don't, I'm not turning up to the birth, but what I do is I support you through the pregnancy and I can be another support person through that process with you. I've quite often had conversations with my clients about their midwives. We've had, you know, one client who did go on to move from her current client, her current midwife, and then find another one who was amazing. But having someone to talk her through that process and support her through that process so that she had the courage and confidence to do that was really important for her. And to have someone to say, hey, my midwife said this and, you know, we can break it down and actually say, well, maybe you should ask her this and what does she say about this and what does she say about that and kind of support you to continue that relationship in a really positive way as well and also make sure that that person's the right fit for you. That's pretty much I mean, I'm thinking about it now. A lot of my clients actually do have a team of people, of support people around them. So it's very rare for me to come across people who work with me at least who don't have a bit of a team. Uh, Yeah, so basically I can help you set up the right team and help you navigate those tricky conversations and those boundaries. So that was a pretty full on one for the first one back in 2023. So I think I'm going to have fun editing this one. Um, I really appreciate you listening to this podcast episode. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I know we have quite a few new listeners. I am so grateful that you're here. I hope that you're getting plenty of insight and knowledge to feel 
inspired to have a VBAC home birth or look into having a VBAC home birth. If you've got any questions that you want me to answer on the podcast, please do send me a email to hello at themotherhoodcircle.com.au and just put in the header, you know, podcast question or something like that. And then just ask your question and I will endeavor to get back to you and share this on the podcast and then send it to you. That's really exciting. That feels really exciting to me. So I would love to hear from you. And if you have anyone that you would like to recommend for the podcast as in an expert, please do send me an email. And I'm also chasing birth stories for women who have had vaginal birth after four or five cesareans. I'm looking for women who have had at home, of course, vaginal birth after cesareans at home who have had twins. I'm looking for someone who has a maternal age of 39 plus. And I'm also looking for someone who has had type one diabetes. So that person doesn't have to have all of those things, of course. I mean, that would be, you know, one lucky unicorn. I am looking at you know, shaking things up and having some women who are a bit more high risk or have had to jump through some more hoops who are a little bit more out there. So if you know someone, please do send them my way or please do email me with their details. Um, I would love to connect with them and share their story on the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I'll bring you another episode next week. Have an awesome week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I hope this episode has helped you take another step forward in your VBAC Home Birth journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps me get this message out to more women just like us. Want to follow along and get freebies and offerings? Find me on Instagram, Ashley L. Winning, and send me a DM to say hi. And come and join our safe group on Facebook. Just search VBAC Home Birth Support Group. Until next time, keep shining beautiful.